But we are in this series that's called Five Years From Now, and it's a great thing to think about in light of Easter. We just completed a celebration of the resurrection. And every year, I find myself coming off the high of Easter, if you will, and sitting in my office on a Monday or a Tuesday and saying to myself, now what? Now what? All this energy that goes into telling the story of God and what he did in the resurrection, and um, I find myself saying, so now what? And that is exactly the question that the earliest disciples had. They were making sense of the empty tomb. They were making sense of what it meant to serve a resurrected Lord and a resurrected Christ. And they were saying, well, well, now what? And, And Jesus actually told them exactly what he wanted them to do. Uh, We're going to read in a moment. We're going to revisit this commissioning that John records for us in John chapter 20. You might be familiar with a passage in Matthew chapter 28 called the Great Commission. Uh, Also, Luke records this in Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses. Jesus tells us how we then should live. We should live as a people on mission with God to share this good news that the tomb is empty. And I was thinking about this sort of 21st century world that we live in, and there is no shortage of knowledge. There is no shortage of, of, of knowledge. People have access to virtually everything we know about Jesus. It's at the tip of their fingers. I mean, can you think about that? For Would you think about that with me for just a moment? I mean, Jesus told the disciples to go, be my witnesses, Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And so they went and they proclaimed that the tomb was empty, that the crucified Messiah had become the resurrected Messiah. This was new knowledge to the world. But now, 22,000 years later, we, we now have virtually everything we know, everything that Scripture reveals about God in Christ, it's accessible on the Internet it's on our phones. Maybe you have the, the Bible app. I, I did a, a funeral on, on Friday for a gentleman who's from South Africa, and he speaks Afrikaans. And I just was curious to see what the, the text I was preaching, what would it look like in Afrikaans? And in a matter of 10 seconds, I changed my Bible app from English to Afrikaans. And then I scrolled through all the different languages that are available in the Bible app. Hundreds and hundreds of languages there on the Bible app. And people can download it all over the world. And so everything we know about Jesus is accessible to the entire world on the internet. So does that mean our job's over? Our our job's complete. You need an internet connection. You need a smartphone. And boom, mission of God complete in the world. I, I, I want us to think more creatively than that. I want us to be reminded that, that although information about Jesus is available through a variety of different means, Jesus becomes known to the world by those who bear his name. Jesus becomes known to the world by those who bear the name Christian. And, and, and I wanted to share this quote from someone who's not a Christian, but who is a very influential person in our history. Gandhi said this, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. 
Your Christians are unlike your Christ. And we need that outside voice speaking into our Christian community because we need that critique. We need to hear that. We need to hear someone from outside of our tradition taking an honest look at how we live our lives and the way our churches are shaped and formed. And he says, I like your Christ. I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are unlike your Christ. And it's a sobering reminder to us that the gospel has to be more than just punching our ticket to heaven. It has to be about how we live this life for God. How we live this life for God in, in the moments, in the days that we have. The good, the good news, the gospel has to be about the way that we live. And so we're in Philippians today because I want us to think about living on mission with God. What does that look like tomorrow? What does that look like a year from now? What does that look like five years from now? Because of the resurrection, what does it look like for us to live on mission with God? And so Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and he first of all wants them to understand who Jesus is. Jesus is the crucified Messiah. He's the person with all the power that laid the power down. And then he was resurrected to new life. And, and we're, you may be familiar with Philippians chapter 2. It's called the Christ hymn. And, and scholars believe that this was an early song of the church that described this movement that Jesus makes from heaven to earth and then resurrected to power again. But I want to I read... A theologian, his name is Henri Nouwen. And, and he wrote a paraphrase of Philippians 2, verses 6 through 11. And I want to read that for you. Paraphr paraphrasing the Apostle Paul, he says this. If our life in Christ means anything to you, if love can persuade at all, or the spirit that we have in common, or any tenderness and sympathy... Then be united in your conviction and united in your love with a common purpose and a common mind. This is the one thing which would make me completely happy. There must be no competition among you, no conceit. Everybody is to be self-effacing. Always consider the other person to be better than yourself so that nobody thinks of his own interests but everybody thinks of other people's interests instead. In your minds, you must be the same as Christ Jesus. He, his state was divine, yet he did not cling to his equality with God, but emptied himself to assume the condition of a slave and became as we are. And being as we are, he was humbler yet, even to accepting death, death on a cross, but God raised him high and gave him the name which is above all other names so that all beings in heaven and on earth and in the underworld should bend the knee at the name of Jesus and that every tongue should acclaim Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of God. Nowen's paraphrase of the Christ hymn came alive for me this week. It was good for me to hear that in different language. Because it reminds us of just what Christ has done. He had all the power, yet he laid it down and walked in our shoes 
to engage in the mission of his father. And so Paul, Paul reminds the Philippian church that this is the example. As we think about, well, now what? How should we live? Who should we be? Paul is saying, here is the example. It's the example of Christ. This is what Christ did. And so he goes on in chapter 2. Look at, look at verse 14. Do everything without complaining and arguing. I want to put this up in my house somewhere where my children can see that. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just as your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. Let's unpack what Paul is saying here as he wants us to live in such a way that our life and the way we engage in mission reflects the Christ that we confess. Oh, that we could reverse that quote from Gandhi. Oh, that we could reverse that so that he would say, oh, I like your Christ. And the reason I like your Christ is because your Christians just live out his ways in such is so, so well. So how can we reverse that? Paul wants to make sure that the lives that we live reflect the Christ that we confess. And he invites us to live as light, as beacons of light in this crooked and this perverse generation that he describes it. And he was describing that in the first century AD as crooked and perverse. How would he describe the 21st century? You may look around at, at at ethics in our world and uh, the way our world exploits sexuality and the way we take advantage of other people. And you, you may look at how crooked and perverse our, our world appears to be here in the 21st century and, and make no mistake, it is. But let's not think that Christians have not always lived in this kind of environment. Let's not think that the sin of the 21st century is different than the sin of the first century. Um, Perhaps our Puritan heritage has, has sanitized that a little bit, but like sin has always been a pervasive part of, 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 cult, of our culture. And it was really bad in the first century. And it was really crooked and perverse and destructive to the ways of God. And so Paul is saying, we live in this crooked and this perverse world, but in the midst of that, your life should shine like stars. It should shine and it should be a beacon of light to those around you. And here's what we know about this good news of the resurrection. That people will choose or accept, they will choose to accept or reject the message of Jesus based on the lives of his followers. Well, pastor, why don't they just get their Bible app? It's right there. They can read about Jesus. Everything you would ever need to know about Jesus that's revealed in Scripture, somebody's already put it online. The whole world can get their phone out and they can learn about Jesus. That's on them. No, it's on us. It's on us. 
Because, what, because the people are going to accept or they are going to reject the message of Jesus based on the lives of his followers. The way that we talk, the way that we live, how generous are we? How do we pour our lives out for our world? This is how the world will judge our Christ based on the quality of our lives and how much light we send into the world. And so the world doesn't need more knowledge about Jesus. It needs an encounter with people who live like Jesus. This is what we were sent to do. So I go back to the text we visited last week. Just this one verse, as Jesus stands before his followers, he says, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. You know, in, in, the, in the Old Testament, God revealed himself through tablets of stone. He wrote his laws. He revealed them to Moses. He said to the people of Israel, this is the knowledge you need so that you can live in faithful covenant with me. How did they do with that? They had the knowledge, but it wasn't until God became flesh, sent by the Father, and modeled for them what a life of covenant faithfulness looked like that the people were able to, 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 to receive that and for salvation to be fully experienced. And so what our world needs is, is not more knowledge. The world needs people who put on Jesus and incarnate Jesus in the world. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And this is an opportunity for us to, to count the cost. Because our sentness, our sentness is described by Paul as pouring a drink offering out on an altar. And this is an allusion to the Old Testament. There'd be a sacrifice. that would, The priest would, would make this sacrifice in the temple. And the, the, at the end of the sacrifice, something would be poured out on it. It would be emptied out on the sacrifice. And Paul is saying, I'm willing that I would be poured out for the sake of the gospel. And so, friends, as we think about being sent, just as the Father has sent Jesus, the most compelling evidence for a resurrected Christ is not a people of great knowledge about Christ, but a people passionately engaged in the mission of Christ. A people passionately willing to take up this call of Paul. Paul says, I'm willing to be poured out as a drink offering what if a people were able to say, I'm willing to be poured out. My time, my energy, my money, my resources, all that I have, all that God has blessed me with, I pour it out on this altar of sacrifice and ask God to bless it. This is an opportunity for us to count the cost. Paul goes on to say, I'm running a race and I don't want to run this race in vain. Those who run must count the cost. Some of you know that, that I've, I've sort of dabbled in running, and I've ran a few half marathons. And what got me into running was Lauren was a runner. And so she invited me to run with her. And man, running takes, you got to count the cost if you're going to be a runner. And, but what, I counted the cost, and I was willing to pay the cost Pay the price because Lauren was running. This gave me a chance to run with her. 
And so, you know, nine half marathons later, I, I, I think I can say I, I, I got that T-shirt. Um, I, I hung up the running shoes this, this year. And um, I almost got them back out. There's a group of pastors, they go to the Grand Canyon every year, and they, and they, 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 they do a, essentially what is a, a brisk hike. I'm not going to say it's a run, but they want to go in 24 hours, they want to go from the north rim of the canyon to the south rim and back in 24 hours. So it's rim to rim to rim. And they call it the death march. And there's a few of my friends that I went to college with and seminary with that they do this, and it's sort of like a spiritual retreat, if you can call a death march a spiritual retreat. But they put it on Facebook, and they, 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 they do, they, this is about the third year they, that they do it, and they're doing it in October, and I thought, man, I, I think I might want to do that. And so I called my friend Spencer. I said, dude, tell me about the death march. I think I'm interested in this. Oh, and he's all about it. You know, he was telling me all about it. And I said, well, I do a little running, and I've done some biking. And, and he's like, I'm telling you, you're not ready. It's like, if you want to come and you want to do this, you are not ready. You will die. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, he said, this is what you need to do. And he began to lay out what I needed to do so that I could go in October and go rim to rim to rim in 24 hours. And then he told me about the, the place that they stay. He's like, yeah, we all get this house, and we crash in this house, and some people sleep on the floor, and I slept in the garage last year. And, and he told me about sleeping in the garage. And, and, and that just put me over the edge. I don't sleep in garages. Okay? I sleep in Airbnbs with, with beds and duvet covers. Okay? I counted the cost, friends. I counted the cost. Spencer told me to pray about it. I got to call him tomorrow and tell him, I'm out. I'm out. But Jesus invites us to run with him. If Lauren told me tomorrow, hey, babe, we're going rim to rim to rim in 24 hours. Are you going to be there, Lauren? I'm there. I'm doing it. Lauren, if you're going to be there, I'm going to be there. And we're going to get a nice Airbnb afterwards because we're going to be tired. We ain't sleeping in no garage. But Lauren, if you're going to be there, I'll be there. And Jesus, if you're going to be there, I'll be there. I'll count the cost. I'll pour my life out as a drink offering so that other people can know Jesus. So friends, in light of the resurrection, how shall we live so that people will know Jesus? Paul says we live as light. If the Christ hymn is anything, it means we live last. We put other people ahead of ourselves. And then as we live as light and as we live last, friends, we live sent lives. And so what does this look like? What are the tangible things that this looks like as we live this out as a church? I want to tell you about this card that is in your seat. It's a card asking you to participate in this year's Go Initiative. The Go Initiative, uh, it's funds that we raise every year so that we can engage personally in ministries through this local church and so that we can fund the work of others literally around the world. And I want to tell you about some of our ministry partners that we are partnering with this year. First of all, this is the main way that we raise funds for what's called the World Evangelism Fund. There are people who are called to be missionaries. They're called to start churches all around the world through the Church of the Nazarene. 
And this year, our goal is to send $35,000 to the World Evangelism Fund so that missionaries can go. Um, can, I, can I show you some of those stats about the World Evangelism Fund? Uh, over 300 missionaries are currently around the world. We have established missionary work in 160 world areas. And these missionaries aren't just doing what I'm doing this morning. They're not just preaching. They're on the front lines of compassionate service, of liberal arts education, hunger relief, health care. Anywhere there's human need on the planet, there is a Nazarene somewhere engaging in that kind of work or dreaming how they can engage in that work. And so we want to support that. As we also think about global work, uh, we have a partnership with the Dominican Republic. And uh, this past year, our, pa our partner pastors there, Pastor Rosie and Pastor Felix, they ran into some, some challenges with the coronavirus pandemic. We were able to send them some money uh, to help them in their work. And we continue to support a school there in El Factor. And uh, as recently as 2018, we took a mission trip there and our kids engaged in some work. And um, we look forward to dreaming what a mission trip will look like uh, again. Obviously, travel is a little weird right now, but we continue to have these people in our heart, and they are our partners in ministry. I want to invite uh, my friend Carrie to come and to share with you about another partnership we have in Senegal. And I, I would just ask that you welcome her. She, she brought this, um, this school and this ministry uh, to, to us, and uh, it was awesome to be able to partner with her in this. And so, Carrie, would you come and, and tell us about God's work in Senegal? Would you, would you welcome Carrie Honeycutt? Thank you. Thanks, Mark. So I think it's probably been a couple of years since I was up here being able to give you guys an update on what God is doing in Senegal. And I'm super excited to be able to share with you three big things that he's really continued to do over the last couple of years through this GO initiative and also through the nonprofit that we work with, which is similar in names, called GO on the Mission. And so if we go to the next slide, you will get to see some of their super excited, smiling faces in their brand new computer IT lab and library. So this was um, one of the projects that was just funded and um, just got completed actually over when they were over break and couldn't go to school because of COVID. Um, and now they get to enjoy this time in the computer lab and this has also not only provided a lot of resources for the students and the teachers to be able to use, but it's really increasing their reputation in the area and their prestige, where even one of the teachers said that this makes their school one of the most important schools in the region because a lot of um, the schools, even the public schools, do not have these resources in their schools. And that even it's gaining some of the attention of the local officials who may still practice Islam as their main religion, but they're sending their kids to this school. And so I can't highlight that enough in how powerful and how important that is, that these kids are hearing the word of God every day. And even if their families don't believe that, 
just what God is going to do in this younger generation. I'm super excited for that. And um, the next slide is a video, because I can't stand up here and tell you how much they appreciate this enough, but they can. Isn't that so precious and heartwarming? So you get to see all the kids in there, and that's their, their space now that they have, thanks to you guys being part of this funding. So then the next exciting update that I get to share with you guys is um, the process of kind of what happened really over Christmas break uh, with being able to fund their next phase of the school and that was the administration and preschool building. And uh, this is kind of very personal to me. It's gonna be hard for me to share it, so bear with me if I get a bit emotional. But this was pretty powerful in a way that I, I wanted to share with you because it's a great example of if we surrender certain things to God and our funds to God, uh, how he will reward that and how he will work through that. Um, so, due to COVID, like many of us, we were all impacted in a lot of different ways. Uh, ours, over Christmas, we were going to go back home to Washington State to see our family. And, you know, we're working through that with our family, but we're still planning on going. And probably about three weeks before we were planning on leaving, our flights were canceled for us. So that kind of made our decision that we were not going to be going home for Christmas. And that was going to be our first Christmas that we were going to be away from our families. And that was very hard. And we prayed about it. We fought with God about it for a while. And what we heard out of that was that we were to give the money that was for our flights, that we were being refunded, um, to this next phase at Bethesda. And it was a $4,000 amount, and we decided and heard God say, do a match. So give up $4,000 and ask people to match it, because the total amount that was needed for this next phase was $8,945. And so we thought if we did the 4000 and that was matched, we would almost be there. 
And so over the next three weeks, it seemed like almost every time it got really, really hard that we weren't going home, we would get a phone call or an email letting us know that more money had come in from various people all around the country that had heard that this was happening. Some people that didn't even know it was happening but called and said, we just feel like we need to give. And um, so within three weeks, we were at 4,710 that had been raised that was exceeding our match. And then um, we were only $235 short of funding this whole phase through that process. And uh, the last thing they told me was, um, well, your new church there in Bentonville, with their GO initiative, they, they give $280 a month. So we took that money and we added it to this. So you have now completely funded this next phase of the school. <laughs> So that was super powerful in surrendering that to God and listening to what he wanted to do through that time. And um, I just want to encourage you through that, that and, and thank you. Thank you so much that I feel like God was like, here's, here's your Christmas gift. And not only that, but here's the bow on top that is your new church family that you're with. Um, so if you've been part of that and you have given to this initiative, this, this is what it's doing, and, and thank you for that. And if you're still on the fence or still praying about um, being part of this and giving, uh, I hope that that gives you some encouragement, too, through that. And then the last thing I just wanted to share is the next. So now that this is funded, it will be what's um, the project that's being built next. And after that, their big main goals are to provide a school bus, which is more in the form of a van, uh, that then they can transport kids to and from school because right now the only kids who can attend school there are those who can walk there or whose parents can get them there. And then they also have a big goal of being able to um, fund and build the junior high and the high school because right now it's just the elementary school that starts in preschool and goes through sixth grade. So the next big project would be for that whole new building so that they can go all the way through high school. Thank you. Thank you. Speaking of being poured out like a drink offering, I just want you to know Carrie loves getting in front of crowds. She loves doing this. And no, she is being poured out as a drink offering this morning. She's saying, God, if you're there, I'll get up in front of that crowd. If you're there, I'll tell people about Senegal, and um, thank Carrie, thank you so much, and thank you for introducing us to Bethesda School, and I'm excited about what God is doing there. Pray for Bethesda School, and, and pray for that ministry. Um, we also partner with people here in our local community for years now. We've partnered with Old High Middle School. We've supplied snack packs for them, and this year we are adding another level of this partnership. We're calling it the Turnage Welcome Home Fund. And it's named in honor and in memory of our friend Vic Turnage, who was a school bus driver, and he coordinated the bus routes for Bentonville Public Schools, and also was a longtime member of this church. And we, we talked with the social work team there, and we said, what can we do for kids in need? 
And they, they, they begin to talk to us about there are families who are just a security deposit away from getting out of homelessness. And if you could make a grant on a monthly basis of around $500 a month, we could take a family who they are couch surfing or they're living with relatives and that, that young person in that school is having to go through school not knowing really where they're going to sleep that night. If you could make a $500 grant per month, we could pay a security deposit, get people into apartments or uh, rental uh, arrangements and get them housed. And I thought, you know what? I think, I think we can do that. I think God through us can do that. Um, and uh, we've already, um, someone made a gift to seed this. And then after Vic passed away, many of you made gifts in his memory. And we've already made two grants. Um, because of your generosity, we have, um, we have taken two families uh, out of homelessness and into a place of their own. And that was the one hurdle they could not get over, but we were able to partner with them. And I believe as these families thrive, this is how the mission of God is advanced. And so um, we want to sustain that. And so we're making the Turnage Welcome Home Fund a part of the GO initiative. Um, we, for years, have operated a community ministry center where we hand out food and uh, clothing to our neighbors in need during this construction phase of the parking garage. That ministry is not paused. It has just transitioned. And um, I wanted to show you uh, what the new space is going to look like. Sarah Pigo, I've got a video I'm going to show you of her. She's going to tell you more about it. But this is what the new space is going to be like. Uh, that'll be the, uh, the outside of it. It's going to face the neighborhood market there. And then you see the layout and uh, what that new space is going to look like and how we're going to serve families there. And I'm going to let Sarah Pigo tell you about the dreams that we're dreaming right now for the Community Ministry Center. Hello, I'm Sarah Pigo, and I am the director at the Community Ministry Center here at Bentonville Community Church. I just want to take a moment to let you guys know what we've been up to the past nine months since construction has started with um, our new space. As you can see, we have our little free pantry on the north side of our building that has been up for about nine months now. And we have stocked it probably once or twice every week um, with various items. As you can see, we have canned goods, um, rice, beans, all that fun stuff. But we even have some toiletry products and even some dog products too for our community in need. Um, what's great about this is we serve, but also we allow our community to serve um, each other. During this time, we have done a lot of research and we are listening. We're listening to um, other community um, service providers such as HARC and their community liaisons, but we also listen to the Bentonville Public School social workers and just trying to understand what the needs are in the community. But most importantly, we have listened to our families that we have served. And what we found is that what we did in our old space was love them and listen to them and give them encouragement throughout the day. And we want to build on that in the new space. As we think about our new space, we want to provide an area that is open and welcoming to the families that come in. Um, within this area, we're going to have provide a lounge area with snack bar to provide coffee and treats while they wait, but also a family choice area to provide dignity and empower the families to choose what they want in their house. Additionally, we're also going to look at expanding our hours to be more convenient for our families to get the services that we provide, but also provide more volunteer opportunities for our church. So thank you so much for providing to the GO initiative that supports the Community Ministry Center.
Well, you see Sarah's passion. You see her commitment to that. And I'm so thankful for her and, and her leadership. We're going to continue to fund other uh, local community partnerships. We're looking about, we're thinking about summer of service this year. Uh, of course, our Thanksgiving boxes. We have a long tradition of this. But friends, I want to introduce to you a new community partner. Um, all of us have been touched by addiction in some way. All of us. No one can, can gather in this place and say they haven't been touched in some way um, by an alcohol or a substance abuse addiction. And that is, that is, that is a bondage that, that, um, that keeps lives from thriving and keeps lives from living into the fullness of what God has for them. And I just begin to pray and I begin to think about, man, what can we do? And God enabled me to get connected to this organization called Hope is Alive. And I'm going to invite uh, Jordan to come. This is Mr. Jordan Domac. And um, let him tell you about Hope is Alive. He has a powerful story. I appreciate him being here and being willing to share his story. And Jordan, we're so glad that you're here and we're excited to partner with you guys. Welcome. Let me get my notes here. I've got some fun, interesting facts. But hello, everybody. My name is Jordan, Jordan Domek. Uh, I'm born and raised from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Graduated from the University of Arkansas, so go Hogs. Um, I'm so thankful to be here today in front of you. So I'm with an organization called Hope is Alive, and we exist to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those that love them. And I'm just so thankful I can be here to pull that mask off this topic, because this is a topic that, as one of my close friends likes to say, if it's not on your porch, it's in your neighbor's backyard on his porch. <laughs> it's, it's, it touches everybody. Um, so what Hope is Alive provides is holistic, faith-based homes for men and women. We currently have 21 homes in seven cities across four states. And we just opened up our first home in Northwest Arkansas. We really felt God pulling at us to come here. And we just really felt that there was a need for us to be here. And we're so thankful to be here. So our home holds about 11 guys. We're already at nine guys right now. And these guys are all chasing after the Lord, uh, putting foundations in recovery. We're a long-term uh, aftercare. So 12 to 18-month program. Uh, and uh, what I want to say is, if you can go to the next slide. This is what it looks like. That's me. I was a heroin addict for 10 years. Two college degrees, life completely just stuck. I can tell you from my personal struggle, I didn't want to be a heroin addict. I didn't want to live that way. I always felt God calling me to live a certain life and telling me, hey, there's certain things I have set out for you in life, and you can have these things if you live the way I've called you to live. I just couldn't get there by myself, but for God. I did get there, and I got there through Hope is Alive, the church, and the community, and um, I just want to give you some interesting facts, and I would have been one of these statistics, all right? In 2020, the deadliest year in drug history, overdoses have increased by 18.2% since June 2019. It's a 59% increase in alcohol use during the pandemic. Listen there, listen to this. 81,000 reported drug overdoses in 2020. I should have been one of those drug overdoses, okay? So I'm really passionate about this, and I, I'm just on fire for it because my life has been radically changed. I have stepped into my calling. I can help others that come in behind me, but it's not possible without the community, the church, and uh, 
I just want to say that the church provides an insulation of hope for Hope is Alive. And uh, if you go to the next slide, I'm going to show you some ways that the church comes alongside and serves with Hope is Alive. And this is called Adopt a House Program. So if you can imagine, we have 11 guys living in a house. We go through a lot of toilet paper, <laughs> okay? Uh, we have chores every Sunday, so we need cleaning supplies. We go through a lot of cleaning supplies. Uh, one of the cool ways I think the church can come along or provide serving opportunities is providing a meal. So every Sunday night, we're going to have a meal provider. We're going to break bread. We're going to have a guest speaker. And I think it's just a great way just to come meet the residents, provide that hope, that community, so that once they do exit the program of Hope is Alive, they have their roots in the community. They can, you know, uh, meet up with people for coffee. They have those mentoring ship opportunities. So um, one of the awesome things, too, is pray for the men in the home. That's, this is just power of prayer. We believe in the power of prayer. Hope is alive. And, uh, you know, without people serving, I don't know what the program will look like, but I do know what it looks like when people come alongside us and engage with us, and uh, the smiles it brings to the resident's face like mine. Um, so I just want to thank you, Mark, for uh, Pastor Mark, for uh, giving us the opportunity to be here today um, and uh, uh, to show you what a radically uh, uh, life change, radical life change looks like for me. So um, if anybody has any questions or concerns or anything, we have a booth set up out in the lobby. I'd love to talk to you. Hey, I have free stickers, free pens. Who doesn't want free stuff, right? Um, so please uh, come out there and uh, say hello. Thank you, George. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. And so this year we're adding Hope is Alive as one of our ministry partners. That gives you a sort of a, a picture of how we're partnering people around the world, we're partnering with people in our community, and we're partnering in a variety of holistic ministries. Um, you have a card in front of you, and um, you see the different ways that we want to uh, fund this work and the different people that we want to partner with. And so um, I, I want to ask you to be poured out like a drink offering today. Just as Paul was saying, okay, if Jesus is going to be there, if Jesus is going to be in the midst, then I'll count the cost and I'll go where Jesus is. I will pour out my life. I'll pour out my resources. I will sacrifice personally so that other people can hear the gospel and so that other people can come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to do all of this, and I believe that we will. And it begins with all of us just being obedient and stepping out in faith and saying, I want to, I want to commit to this. I can't go and do the work Jordan does, or I can't go to Senegal, or I can't be one of these 300 missionaries in the Church of the Nazarene, but I want to partner with them financially, and I want to partner with them with my prayers. And so we have one mechanism to do all of that, and it's the GO initiative. And so by, by, by partnering with us in the GO initiative, you have a hand in all of that, and you enable us as a church to not only say we have knowledge about Jesus, but to be the hands and feet of Jesus out in the community in, incarna in incarnational ways, just like Jesus. And so would you, would you make a commitment today uh, on, the, on the card that you see? Um, there's a space where you enter the total amount that, that you feel like you could sacrificially give 
over and above your regular support of the church. And so if you could fill that out and then just for our planning as we think about who we can fund and, and where we can send money, um, if you'll just tell us, is this going to be a one-time gift or a weekly gift or monthly, or if there's uh, some other arrangements you need to make, you can just scribble that on the card and we'll, um, we'll, that'll be helpful for us. And then just a place for your name and your email so we can keep you up to date with what God is doing uh, in the GO initiative. But that's what I'm asking you to do today, to partner with us so that we can participate in what God is doing. The gospel means that we go. It's not this thing that we just kind of cognitively assent to and say, oh yeah, that's true. It's something that because of the resurrected Christ, because the tomb is empty, we go. And like Paul, we pour ourselves out. And so would you take a moment and consider a gift and a commitment to the Go Initiative today. I'd like to pray for you as as you consider that. And uh, the worship team's going to come out and they're going to close us in a song. And then when we're dismissed, you can take your card and you can drop it in the baskets in the back, um, the baskets that say tithes and and offerings. Um, And you, you you can drop that there and we'll total those up. And next Sunday is Celebration Sunday. We're celebrating baptisms and church members and baby dedications. And I want to stand before you next Sunday and I want to say, we did it. We hit our goal. We, we reached uh, 70,000 in commitments. And so um, I, I, I look forward to that. I believe that's going to happen. And I believe all these things that we're dreaming up, uh, they're going to happen as we commit together to give. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for this gospel. This it's not just knowledge that we lock away in our heads somewhere. Lord, it, it gets down deep in our soul and in our heart, and it moves our bodies to action. And it, and it moves us to places where we can be poured out. We can pour out our time, and, and we can pour out our money, and we can pour out our resources, and we can pour out our relationships for the sake of the gospel. Lord, we we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray for families today that are making a commitment. They're making a commitment over and above the regular support of the church, and they're saying, we want to participate in what you're doing. We want to advance your mission in this community and literally around the world. Lord, bless these families. Provide the resources. Lord, we know that you're able to to do abundantly, exceedingly more than all we could ever ask or imagine. And we claim that promise in Philippians 19 that says, my God will supply all of your needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. This is the truth of your word, and we stand upon that today. And Lord, bless these offerings, bless these commitments. I pray that you would use them to draw people closer to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.